Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, madams and messieurs, welcome to Two Bit Podcast, where people get together to talk about stuff and things. Today, we are joined by Mike Paul, a uh, co-host or one half of the Paul's to the Wall podcast. Welcome, Mike. Hi, how you doing today? I'm fantastic, man. It's uh, sun is shining, and still no. We're still uh, we're in western. I'm in Western Australia. Uh, I know uh, you had mentioned you wanted me to talk about what's going on in Australia, but. Um, so in Western Australia, there's, there's no lockdowns. We've had zero COVID cases. Uh, I moved my family out here from Montreal, Canada about three months ago. My wife's Australian. So they're moving, they're living with their parents at the moment. Uh, and we're out, we're out in wine country. So sun shining, roos are out. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really odd to watch all the stuff that's going on in like Melbourne and, 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 uh, and Sydney and big, big, it's that is so removed from my reality. It's wow. it's, it's like a being on an alien. It's, it's 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 odd to think that that's happening on the same continent as me. But um, yeah. Other than that, life is good. How about yourself? Yeah, that's well. That's that's bizarre because you know our media is so hard to ever get the truth out of as it is. So all I know about Australia is what I see. You know, just little videos and viral clips going around on Twitter. So it looks like the whole country is just in chaos and you think the whole country is locked down like that. But from where I'm sitting, it's hard to get a perspective until I talk to someone like you who can anecdotally tell me that that's only so just Melbourne and one side of the country, really. Uh, so Melbourne is is in the state of Victoria and there's New South Wales where Sydney is. So if you can imagine like Sydney is like New York and Melbourne is like L.A. Okay. Uh, the states and the states are quite large. Like they're not, I don't know if they're as large as California and New York state respectively, but they're, 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 they are large, you know, areas of the country. Like um, a, a good thing, a good uh, way to thinking Australia is that Australia is, is just as long as the continental United States. It's just not as wide. Um, right. And I think, I think Australia is just a little bit shy of the United States. Canada is, it's quite, it's smaller than, but I think in terms of landmass towards the United States, it's almost it's almost one to one. So Australia is huge. It's a it's a really big continent. Right. It's just that there's a massive desert right in the middle of it. Uh, and Western Australia, where I'm at, uh, so there's Perth, that's is on the very western coast, and I'm south of Perth. So there's we're on the western coast, there's a massive desert, <laughs> and the closest border we have is like miles away. So there's just there's no reason to come here unless you're into mining, uh, unless you're already here for mining. So, um, so yeah. So basically imagine, imagine if, if, if New York state and California ma- massive shit were happening down there, but you're in, I don't know, Illinois or wherever you are. And you're like, I, 
everything's fine. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. That's how it feels. And that's essentially what it is. But it, it is weird, you know, being out here and seeing what Western media is reporting on it. And you're like, that's not Australia. That's like a part of Australia. That Imagine like if you, if the, for the George Floyd pr- uh, protests, if they were reporting as if New York was mm-hmm. all of America and you're like, well, uh, objectively, no, <laughs> right. objectively, this isn't happening <laughs> in, in every single state and every single place in America. So that's kind of, well, that that's makes kind sense. of, yeah, it makes sense because I, I got a, uh, one of my childhood friends, um, his older brother moved to Australia 11 years ago and, and I'm not sure where he's at in the country, but I checked up recently with my buddy just asking like, Hey, how's your brother doing? Like what's there's some crazy shit happening down there. Um, he reassured me that he's in a safe place right now. And, He's actually looking back to get uh, to the U.S. Um, he got married in Australia to a South American <laughs> lady. So, like, near them are from Australia. He's American. She's from, I think, Venezuela or something or Guatemala. And now she's waiting on her visa to come back to the U.S. And that's just, like, tied up with bureaucratic nonsense. So, but I keep checking up, like, is he still free to leave? I mean, can you go to an airport and leave Australia? Oh, yeah. I mean... For us to get in here, we had to. So my wife is Australian, and my mm-hmm. our daughter was born in Montreal. Now we've gotten her Australian uh, citizenship, so my Austra- my my daughter is now a dual citizenship. Okay, and we'll get to the we'll get to family stuff in a minute because uh, that's kind of what I I brought you on to talk about. Um, but uh, in terms of entering and leaving, I, I'm I'm just talking about Western Australia. Uh, we had to. I had to uh, ask for permission and get special permission because I'm part of a family unit. Uh, we got in here. We spent two weeks in hotel quarantine uh, where we couldn't leave, but we were in a, basically in a hotel room. We got, we, we got lucky. We had a suite, so it was actually quite nice, um, all things considered. And then we got let out. And uh, like I said, Perth has had zero community spreads this entire time. Then they locked down their border early. Uh, they had a few cases off of a, a cruise ship, um, but that's about it. And they've had like some like really minor uh, scares of, of people that might have had something. And then they test everyone and they lock down for like three days and then it gets lifted and it's fine. Um, so, so but in terms of leaving and entering, uh, they're actually more strict on cross-border travel so to to so my 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 uh, my wife has two sisters who are out who are one living in basically uh, new south wales another one living in, in in victoria and to get permission to go from perth to melbourne right now is very difficult uh you have to apply they have to approve you there's a whole rigmarole and even if you get let out you may not be you may not be let back in so that's the tricky thing. But internationally, it seems to be actually kind of okay. So uh, your, your guess is as good as mine on that one. Hopefully that door stays open. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's scary. I, I, it's just a crazy world we live in right now. It's, it's, every day it's like just more crazy stuff happening. Um, and, and it's just like, you know, and there's nothing that's too far out of the realm of possibility anymore. I hear like something else happens and it's like, yeah, why not? Because everything's just getting more and more crazy and authoritarian in every direction. So, um, well, yeah, it is the end. It is the end times, my friend. It is an end times. It's, uh, you know, yeah, 
we did, we we I think we all thought it was going to be like fire and brimstone and like devils <laughs> leaping through the through the through cracks in the earth and you know and people being whisked off to heaven. No, no, this is it. This is the mundane. Evil is mundane and it's bureaucratic, and it's uh, and they're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna get their way one way or the other. So yeah. So that, you know that's so that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because I wanted to start doing a series. This might be part one of the series. We'll see how this goes. But especially talking to people in the liberty, what I would what I kind of call loosely the the, the liberty mindset uh, groups. Everyone from libertarians to anarchists to you know whatever the hell I am now the, nowadays because I'm I'm more of a uh, Yarvinist, you know neo uh, monarchist. Um, but we're all kind of in that same general soup and uh we're all seeing things i think in the same maybe at different levels of maybe at different levels or different volumes or in different reacting in different ways but i think we're all seeing this reality more or less the same way and uh and i wanted to reach out to especially specifically fathers of that kind of group of this of this kind of mindset and go and start sharing stories about being fathers in what I would describe as the end times or, or certainly, you know, being fathers in, in the time of COVID um, because I don't have anything else. You know, I, uh, I had kids late and, and I only have the one daughter who's, who's uh, 14 months this, this week. So I have nothing to compare it against, you know, in some ways uh, it is, it is what it is. I know this isn't normal, but I also don't have anything to, I mean, it's, it's as ab as it's as abnormal as it's ever going to be for me. Um, but you no, know, you have four kids and I'm assuming what, what are the age range of your kids? If you don't mind me asking. So I have a stepdaughter who's eight. I have a son who's four and I have boy girl twins that just turned two. Wow. So okay. eight, four, two, two. Yeah. So you're, you're basically right in the, right in the sort of the, the nexus of it. Like, you know, you have kids who are young enough to, I mean, you remember a time of raising kids before COVID, but, but they're young enough to be, to be definitely affected by this. So, so what, how do you, how do you, how would you describe being a father during, during this time? You know, it's uncharted territory. You know, I, I, I'm very close with my parents and, and my, my parents have expressed sympathy saying like, they're sorry, we have to deal with this. Like they didn't realize how easy they had it raising us in, in our, I'm sorry, our generation. Um, and, you know, we're, just a lot of communication and, and game plans and trying to stick together and family and friends and networking is, is very important to try to stick around like minds. Um, we've found a really good church in our community with a bunch of young families that are fairly large. Like each family has two to five kids each and they're all late twenties, early thirties. Um, and we've, we're in a small little town. So we've kind of met up with those people and our kids hang out with their kids. We're all like-minded people. Um, so I think that's very important is just try to mitigate what they're being fed through mainstream platforms by surrounding them with good people in their, uh, in their firsthand experience. Yeah. I think that's so important because, you know, so many people online will say very, both people who have kids and don't have kids, uh, but specifically those who I, I keep hearing people online say, you know, get out of this and get out of there and, and do this or pull your kids out of school and homeschool them and whatever that blah, 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 blah. And all those things are great. Like, it's really easy for me to say, like, I, I live in the, uh, I live in the country and luckily my, my wife's family has given us a lot of opportunities to do that. I think he froze on me. 
Oh yeah, I might. We'll just talk through it because the the internet down here is a bit spotty. Um, okay. Uh, I, you know, I'm lucky enough to, that that my wife's family uh, allows us to be able to you know live down there in a place where out in the middle of the country. So it's easy for me to say to people, get out of the cities. Uh, you know, go do you know, go live in the country, raise your own, raise your own food, have, you know, ha- have some animals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's easier for me to say. Um, I think it's also easy for a lot of people who saying to people to uh, homeschool your kids, even though there's a lot of people who, who don't have that opportunity or don't have, you know, that's just basically that's an impossibility in their life right now. Um, so I think it's important again, kind of get out that idea that even if you, your kids are going to be your kids are going to be influenced by the society no matter what you do, whether it's through school or through social media or just through living life. Like they're going to have to interact with this thing, whatever this thing is, anyways. So it's I think the the, the like what you're saying, what you're what you're doing out there is 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 the kind of key is to give a, a good counterbalance, going saying like, look, they're going to say this, and this is what this this is what the reality that that they are going to present to you. And here's a counterbalance. And you can see, you know, if you're part of a church group, if you're part of a greater community, you can, that your kids can see that there, there is a, a validity to that. There's a richness in this that, 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 that can't be disproven just by, through talk. It's like you are, you are living through deed. Uh, you, I, think we, I think people need, need to have more and more of that for their kids. Because just simply saying, like, if you take your kids out of an out of an indoctrination zone, and then they're going to be fine, it's like, no, they're not going to be fine. Right? They're, they're still going to have to interact with this with this world somehow. Yeah, no, it's it's very true. And to your point about homeschooling, it, it is very hard, and like you said, impossible for a lot of families. I mean, you get two people in their you know late twenties, early thirties, um, just got out of college, got to get enrolled in a serious career, but they both got student debts that are five hundred to eight hundred dollars a month. Um, they got a house, bills, babies, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're working to live. They, they can't get by on one income. Um, we are fortunate enough that my wife uh, does stay home and we did just pull our daughter out uh, to homeschool. So, it, and, and I realize we're fortunate that um, we're a single income family with four kids and that's, that's not very common these days. Um, but that's the only thing that allowed us to do it. I mean, <laughs> I, I joked about the, the only way we could afford to have a single income and, uh, you know, four kids it, and do homeschooling is because I didn't listen to my public school teachers and go to college. Cause had I done that, we'd have student debt right now and we both need to work. So um, it's kind of ironic that saying no to the system uh, once gives you the opportunity to do it again in the future. But yeah, it's uh it is a lot of work and we you know we got three little kids, you know, a four-year-old and two tw- the twins that are two. So my wife's watching those three and, being teacher to the eight-year-old so she's got a full plate and she didn't want to do this but we just got backed into a corner with the mask mandate and the the radical political agendas and it just get it got to the point where like we can't be sending our kids to be conditioned to become our enemy like what are are we doing like we got to get in front of this and as hard as it is we realized this was something we had to do so um i'm very grateful that she's been willing to do it and it was a lot of those moms that at our church I was talking about um they so many of them homeschooled their kids and they sold my wife on it I I tried to pitch it to her months ago and she's like no way my, I have way too much to do I could not do homeschooling and um they talked to her and they're like hey listen at her age 
it's like 90% self-guided. You've got to do their, you know, teach her a couple things and check her work, but the books walk her through everything. And next thing I know, we got home from church and she ordered all the books. So <laughs> we uh, dove right into it and we're like three weeks in now. And some days are challenging, but you know, it's a flexible schedule. I, I told her I can get home from work and I can help her with it. It's not like she has to do it at a set time, like e-learning or any regimented schedule. It's, it's on your own time at your own pace. Well, you can also do weekends and all the rest of it as well. Yeah. I, I'm looking I'm looking into it uh, potentially like my daughter is 14 months old. So like we have time uh, and we're, we're very lucky that my wife uh, runs a, runs a daycare down here. It's a big nature's daycare. It's beautiful. It's, you know, it puts kids out in nature and they can basically learn, uh, learn and engage through play, which is a huge part of the program, which I think is, you know, organic, organic learning is, I think is, it's, it's so crazy that I think we, we spent thousands of years of teaching kids or learning that exact way. And then in the last maybe 200, we were like, no, 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 we, we got this, we got this brand new ideas. We all, we have, we're going to reinvent the idea of the human brain and, and the way that people interact with, with, with reality. And this is what, is, and this is what we have now. This is the result of screwing around and fucking with, with, with things that are perfectly fine. <laughs> like right. that should have just been left alone. Uh, you know, Adam Patrick, who I talked about, who I talked to on the show uh, and among others have, have said that, you know, the enlightenment was a mistake. And I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to think that that's exactly what was a problem is that we started thinking that we started actually believing that we're smarter than we are. And any fractal error that's happened along that along that pathway has led us to this, where more and more people have uh, have uh, offloaded their responsibilities, both to themselves, their community, and their children. And this is exactly what we get. Um, and I was talking to my friend Mark uh, today, uh, this morning for the my co-host Mark uh, for the podcast, and this is something I talked about with Adam as well is that our relationship with death, um, the modern relationship with death and dying is so far removed from what our grandparents, even our parents, but mostly our grandparents had to go through, where no one got out of childhood or into adolescence, like no one was a 20-year-old, without knowing someone probably in your family or a close acquaintance who died, you know, whether right. it be a family member or, or a brother or sister or whatever. Um, and we get to this point where, where I think there's a lot of people who've gotten into their 40s and 50s without ever experiencing any family, familiar death. And then all of a sudden their parents die or, or get even threatened with death or their life gets threatened with death and they just don't know how to, they don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, that all of these things, I, 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 I've, I've read... I've, I've gone back to the Orthodox faith. So we talk about antichrist all the freaking time, but, um, but there's, I think there's a validity to the idea of, of, of antichrist and also just a validity to the idea of what else do you expect to happen? Like this is the natural progression of things. When you, um, when you stop taking responsibility and you start distancing people's from, from reality, this is what you get. And the calling now is to get kids back and the future generations back to a livable reality. 
what that looks like, I think, is is much more closely aligned to churches, to church groups, to some sort of community. Um, and uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm kind of ra- I'm kind of rambling at this point, but no, I, I, <laughs> it's resonating though. I get what you're saying yeah. for sure. Um, you know, it's it's kind of it's. I always I've been really fascinated since this all broke out, um, just with like the Amish and the Mennonite communities and and how they they kind of keep to their own and they they have like their own separate culture within our borders. And it's, you know, I, I'm not saying I believe everything they do. And, and I don't think all, you know, I, I like some of the technology that they don't have and all that, but they definitely got something right. And when you watch it, it's like, there's something fulfilling about farming, about just working with wood and building and, you know, working long days and just being self-sufficient. So I, that, that's been fascinating. And it's, it's kind of like everyone's doing the get out of cities thing. And it's like, well, the, the extreme of that is Amish. Like, get out of the cities, grow your own food, be self-sufficient, don't pay into social security. Like, just get completely as decentralized from the system as possible. So I've been very fascinated with, with, with that type, um, you know, way of life where it's just being self-sufficient. And, and obviously, I'm not saying I'm going to become Amish, but I think the more you can adapt from them while still utilizing the modern technologies and conveniences of our, uh, you know, modern world, um, I think it's kind of the best, best route to go. So you can kind of take each step, uh, you know, cautiously. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that, like, like you said, there's, there's, there's the extreme of go, go live in a hut out in the middle of the wilderness, which like 99% of modern, modern people just aren't prepared to do. Um, financially skill skill wise like the the level of skills you'd need to have to be able to do that successfully over time for more than a more than a little bit or having to call in the state as soon as you run into problems is is insane um you know I, and again i live in a farming i live in the middle of wine country and farming communities most of the most of the guys i have any contact with are all farmers um or and they're you know they're extremely capable and they still need society like you can't just like just decide to, to go off on your own kind of thing um you know that being said i think th- i think there is a healthy medium you know i i think there is especially for the liberty-minded it's not for everybody and but a sacrifices need to be i think we need to start talking about sacrifice in a more meaningful way both mm-hmm. and and as someone who came from the who came from a secular mindset and you know, got kind of got slowly converted both by Peterson and, and then by Cyprian, and then my own my own my own my own uh, my sort of my own religious experience. To have that to have that sort of happen, and and to, that when the nascence of that was was understanding when I had my child, when I had my daughter, and I went through that period of. Um, of things that no one can prepare you for. And I'm sure you, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm going to talk about is that the minute I had my daughter and I, we, we, we came in from the, the surgery into, into the waiting, into like the, the bedding area. I had my, I had these automatic processes sort of happening in my body where I started checking out my, my nines and 11s. I started looking around for, for hazards. Like there was a biological functioning in my body that happened a few hours after, like not even an hour after her birth, that was immediate, that no one trains you for. <laughs> There's no one, you, you can't express it. I can't tell someone who's not a father 
about that that feeling that you get where you're like if anyone if anyone threatens my my child i'm i am now physically prepared to kill you like i'm right. physically prepared to to engage with you in a way that i've never i've never felt before and i'm not i'm not a stranger to violence but like this is a, a whole different kind of biological sub- subsect um you know, I, I was thinking, I'm just thinking about, I don't know if you, if you listened to um, uh, the Tim Pool clip with uh, uh, where he was basically kind of lecturing parents on how to handle uh, kids getting, getting the vaccination. And, you know, he's basically saying something along the lines, he's, he's, he's basically saying that, you know, not having, he was, he was talking to Jack Murphy and, and one of his things with Jack, you know, Jack's, response was like, well, you don't have kids. You don't understand. And both Tim and, and Eric July have responded. Well, that's not a, that's not a defense. I'm like, no, that is a defense. Like until you have kids, you have no fucking clue. <laughs> None. Zero clue. Yeah, no, it, it is. It, like you said, it's, it's instinctive. And there's so many things like that where you're, you're so protective over them. Um, and even just like, the the crying and the when they're when they need something or want something your brain as a parent you can't tune it out you're you're evolved to like figure out troubleshoot this problem find out if they're in pain if they need to be fed like you need to your goal right now is to figure out you know how to make this baby happy like it's it's wired in you where you you can't tune out that noise it just like short circuits your brain you can't think about anything else you can't focus on any work you're doing you have to drop everything you're doing to tend to your offspring. So it's a hundred percent like just ingrained in your DNA um, to, to be protective and, and be your senses are just heightened to protect them from any dangers in the world. So, you know, going back to what's going on right now, it's, you know, those senses are very heightened. <laughs> I got, it's nonstop. I mean, I feel like I'm playing a game of chess, a game of chess with the state. It's like, you know, they, my daughter was in public school and they're like mask mandate and I try to fight it and I get overruled. So boom, I got to move my chess piece, put her into homeschooling. I put my son into a private uh, preschool at the local forest preserve. And I'd been talking to the teacher uh, up until two weeks before it started saying my child will not wear a mask. Like it's, he's going to grow up with a normal childhood. He's not going to be part of your social experiment. This will not happen. So She's like, oh no, we're not enforcing it. Um, and then, like the day of his his open house, they said that they're gonna uh, follow the school district's guidelines. So now all children have to wear masks. So at the open house, I said, I want a refund. My kid's out. I went and found another one. So it's like another chess piece I got to move. I found a uh, farm preschool a town over. And blessing in disguise. I'm so glad we went this route instead. Um, it's the same price and it's seven kids and the ladies are a retired teacher, very like-minded, have this beautiful farm way out in the country off the gravel road. And they work on the farm every day. They go out there, they feed the animals, they collect eggs. I mean, it's so much more valuable skills than just, you know, playing with toys in a, in a little boxed in room all day. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're really lucky. This, the, the, the play school, this, the, uh, uh, daycare that my wife runs is is basically in that model. It's it's like uh, it's about 20, 15 hectares of, of space, like tons of tons of like wild uh, wild area that the kids can play in. Uh, they have different zones set up so that you know at different age groups they can play at different levels of experience and and comfort and, and ability. 
it's the way to go. You know, it's, it's definitely the way I think if you, if you can do it, you, you do it. Um, it's amazing to me, you know, um, it, because basically what you're saying, like, I'm sorry, I'm just sorting through what you're saying. Cause that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like you have to be able to, when people start making these, these blanket claims that, you know, parents don't, parents who do this don't love their kids. I don't think they, they can comprehend the, the amount of calculations you any one of us do on a, on a standard day. And I think before COVID this was true. And now when, when with, with COVID everything, there's, there, everything is the, the fog of war you're, is, is, is so dense. You can't see the next move. So you're just trying to do the best thing you can in a limited sense to, to make other moves. Um, and like you said, like you, you, you put your kid in one thing, they, they change the rules. You got to, then you have to take, take all that resource of time and energy and put it, put your kid, kid into another area. Um, you know, it luckily it works out, but, but for it's, now. it's that time and energy for now, but it's that time and energy. Right. And it's always on your mind. Uh, it's, uh, you know, that's kind of why I want to do this series. I want to, I want more and more fathers, specifically fathers, because I'm a father, uh, to know that they're not alone. You know, there's no, there is no real support groups for dads, uh, other out, outside of family units. Um, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, we need to have a cry fest. It's just, it's, it's just that <laughs> right, we, right. We, we need to know that, Hey man, I, I feel you, you know, I feel you, yeah, I well, hear you. And, and just to share ideas and experiences and be like, Hey, I found this and you can do this. And it, it's, it's super valuable. I mean, that's how we've learned a lot is just by, like I said, like-minded people in our community, um, you know, and like you're saying, when you're making these decisions and trying to make the best one for your, you know, for your individual self and your family, um, case by case, turn by turn, as they're changing rules on you, um, I will say pulling our daughter out of public school, I didn't realize how much stress that was causing me. When the minute we went committed to homeschooling, I felt like a 200 pound weight came off my shoulder. I felt so light on my feet. All this anxiety, all the critical race theory, all the LGBTQ weird sexual fetish stuff they're trying to teach the kids, all this stuff I was worried about, it was just, it just evaporated in seconds. And I was like, I just felt so refreshed. I'm like, wow, like I, that was, I was in sleep over that. It was just inside. You just, you're, you're constantly battling with it, trying to, how am I going to mitigate this? How am I tell her, you know, that what you're learning at school you know, so they're not always right. You got to kind of listen to us. And I was trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. And, and the minute that we just got out of the system, it was like, I I mean, we, like I said, we still got to worry about it because it's still going to be in the culture. It's still going to be on YouTube commercials and they're watching it. It's still going to be in the books when they go to the store. It's going to be, it's coming at you from every angle, but at least six, seven hours a day, five days a week for nine months a year, they're not being fed nonsense. So it's, it's a huge advantage. Yeah, and like not having to worry about deprogramming your kid every day is going to be mm-hmm. would be a huge advantage. I, I, that's what I said. Like I'm looking, I, I you know my my child's young enough that that we'll see how things are in five years. I don't think things are going to change that much. Um, and if if they do change, I think they're going to get more more crazy or more uh, right. Yeah, more uh, more antichrist than less antichrist. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we'll see. Right. But I mean, um, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I'm already, I'm already starting to think of the, think of that, think of ways to say like, all right, let's homeschool if we can't. And if, if homeschooling isn't a, isn't a, uh, isn't a possibility for whatever reason, then 
you know, what other ways can we, what other, uh, uh, what other things can we do to start deprogramming her even now? Um, because it's, it's in, the, it's in the kids books. Like we, you know, we get, we get, um, uh, gifts of, you know, of children's books. And I start reading these things and I'm like, this is pure propaganda. Oh, like, yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded as hell. Like in terms of like, you know, I'm, uh, I've gone back to the orthodoxy in terms of religion. Um, but culturally I've always been more like, Hey, you know, whatever, like, uh, I, I don't, sure. I don't, I really don't care about homosexuality. I don't really, I don't, I don't even care about transgenderism right. in a lot of ways. Like I don't care. Um, but when it's being pushed and forced as the only reality out there, like this is it, you know, we're, and we're, and we've made a decision, like this is fine and normal and everyone should treat this as fine and normal, even though things aren't fine and normal, you know, it's, it can start with transgenderism and get all the way to social credit scores real damn fast, uh, or accept or accept everything the state's saying. And, you know, if you, if you have a disagreement, you're going, you're, I guess you're going to jail or you're, or you're, or you're losing, you're losing your ability to to do business or whatever have you. And that being normalized, that's where I draw the line. Um, and you can see it, you can, you see it in the, you can see it in the TV shows you see in the, in the, in the kids books, it's everything. It's every little thing. And they get you, they get you, you know, they, they, they take a little inch and then they take a mile. Um, yep. So so how was it? I mean, you have an, you have an eight-year-old daughter. How was it? How was it in the States up until now? I mean, obviously you've taken her out and you're doing the homeschooling with her now, but where did things, where, where did you really start seeing things go wrong? As far as the COVID regime or um, as far as anything, like anything. I remember 2014 being a bellwether year where I'm like, Oh, Okay. Things aren't gotcha. things aren't cool anymore. Like things have things have gotten weird. Um, you know, um, somebody, I forgot who it was, it was a friend of mine. I think it was somebody on Twitter that talked to my friend, and uh, she was a girl. She had a theory that ever since the Cubs won the World Series, that's when the world went to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn, there's a there's there's some unpacking. Um, so yeah, I mean that that whole what was that 2016 um, when Trump became president. Um, and that was like the exact same time I started dating my wife too. So it was a lot was changing. That's when I kind of became a father. Cause I got super close with her daughter immediately. Um, and you know, we basically felt like a family since the first month we were dating. And so then I was already kind of had that, you know, I didn't have my own child yet, but I had that very senses heightened, like, you know, I'm in this for the long haul and I want to make sure this girl's protected, you know? And yeah, I mean, the woke stuff was coming on strong but it was it just seemed ridiculous like who's gonna believe this this would be so easy to mitigate like this is nonsense and then all of a sudden it just snowballed to this behemoth where it's everything's woke. corporations are woke like commercials everything like i i hardly watch network television um but i had to go to a hotel a couple weeks ago for work and i i don't see commercials normally i just i listen to podcasts and and you know watch whatever amazon prime at home but just flipping through the commercials, it was like, they were like parodies of wokeism. It was just like, I think I saw three uh, commercials of interracial gay couples in a row for different corporations. And I'm just like, which I, that's, that's fine. I don't care, but it's like, I feel like this is a bit overrepresented and like, as far as society and it's just, it's just agenda driven. And what is the agenda? I don't, I don't get like, I'm all for it. Yeah. Like let people live. They want the way they want to live. And um, like you, you said, I, I don't, I don't care whatever 
someone's sexual fetishes. That's that's completely up to you and you're free to do what you want as long as you're not hurting anyone. Um, but it's bizarre that it's we're basically, you know, when you talk about the Antichrist, I mean, do you see that as like a, a literal being or like an energy or like what, what do you think? I, I see it as a spirit. Yeah, I see it as a spirit, but it's also you know, I think you can, you, I think you can approach it both psychologically and let's say mystically uh, at, at which point there is no differentiation. There's, there's, I don't think there's a, I think modern psychology is just, is just ancient um, uh, mysticism. It's, it's the same thing, right? Um, it's what the Bible has been, has been talking about. Like you can, you know, the, the, the a good one is a Noah story because as a, as a as someone who was a devout atheist and part of the new atheist school and anti-theist really up until last year uh well let's say last year was like last year in october was a definite like i had a spiritual revelation um which i'll i'll be able to get into but but i i had been kind of like the mind worm had been working on me for a bit uh to the point where i started saying the jesus prayer um I think, I think right, right around that time, um, you know, which is Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me for I'm a sinner. And, and I say that every, I say that throughout the day, but I, I start my mornings off with that. Um, and that started a cascade uh, where I started to realize that everything that, that you had reasonably thought or you could, you could put into a psychological framework is present spiritually is, is present in the Bible. It's just, it's just present in different forms. And certainly what we would say is the antichrist, which is just the inversion of Christ. So everything that, so I think anyone who even is a secularist, you know, uh, um, Sam Harris and all the rest of them would even agree that the idea of Christ is a good idea. Like, you know, we, they, no one, no one says anything bad about the archetype of Christ. Um, if you invert that, that's antichrist. And you can see that inversion throughout the world. And I think that's exactly why you see why, why did, why did uh, corporations take on that wokeism? What is wokeism? What is the church of woke? It's a complete inversion of, of Christianity. It is the fulfillment of Calvinism. You know, Yarvin will talk about the, uh, about ultra Calvinism, which is, which is basically what progressivism is. Um, it's the complete destruction. It's the removal of, of, of Christ from Christianity. And, and you place human, the idea of human, the man in the, in the place of God. And it falls apart because we're fallible. You know, Mm -hmm. we are fallible beings. The reason I turned away from Christianity, uh, although I wasn't really raised, uh, deeply in it, but my grandfather, who was my surrogate father, um, cause my, my, my birth father wasn't really around when I was, uh, when I was growing up. Uh, he died when I was, when I was 12 years old of cancer. It was a really long, it was a year long bout of cancer. And I, I prayed constantly and I prayed deeply and devoutly and my prayers weren't answered. And I turned away from God in anger and that anger metaxasized and became, uh, you know, bared its own fruits. Um, up until my daughter was born. And then I realized, you know, when my daughter was born, I was a borderline alcoholic uh, who had worked in the restaurant industry for, for 25 years, who had 
been brought out of the restaurant industry from by by an accident, which almost took almost cut my my thumb off. Um, you know, that, that was in December of, of of 2019. So I was out of work even before COVID hit. COVID hits. My wife is pregnant. We 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 had a move house. We're you know like all these things just kept happening, and nothing in my secular mindset was helping. Like there was nothing to turn to. There was no, there was nothing. And my daughter was born and I just started having breakdowns. Like I just had, I thought I was having an emotional breakdown uh, or I was crying all the time. Like I was, I'm a 40, I'm a mid forties man who prides himself on not, ha- on not being overly emotional <laughs> in one way or the other, except for me through anger. And I'm having like emotional breakdowns left, right and center. And in a particularly bad one, the only thing that, that brought me out of it was, was, and what I believe is, is, is that the, is that God spoke through me and told me to bear witness. Cause I, I came up with those words completely independently. And again, as a secularist, as an atheist, as an anti-theist, as someone who'd been practicing atheism before I even knew what the word meant for 32 years, I was brought out of it like that because, because I came out of a, an emotional um, humbling is the best way I describe it. I was humble to my core. And in that, in that most humble place, uh, what brought me out of it was, it was, was I said to myself out loud, I can bear witness. I will bear witness on this life. I will testify to this life. And then everything changed, you know, like literally everything changed. Now, a secularist might listen to that and go, well, you're having a psychological moment and, and blah, 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 blah. And, and I, and I can, I rationally, I can agree with all that, but just as the same way as having a, you don't understand what it is to be a father until you have a child and have that emotional biological feeling. Like, (laughs) like I said before, like when my, my, my child was born, I was, I got this really crazy, like animalistic defensive urge months later I was, you know, she was, I was walking around in a stroller and this car kind of had a rolling stop. And I just realized that, Oh shit, I could overturn that car right now. Like I would, yeah. I would, you know, like, because <laughs> you felt it through your whole body. Like, ah, you know, like it's, it's, it's not logical. It's not, it's not even emotional. It's just that automatic, like you connect with it. You, you become mm-hmm. conscious of, of a, of a of a uh, of a greater calling of, of a greater mm-hmm. thing that you can't rationalize or put into words or present to anybody or make an argument for, but those who know it know it. And in that moment, when I when I heard myself say, "I will I will te- I will bear witness," and I will testify, my entire everything in, in me changed. And then I started seeing God everywhere and there's no way else to describe it, you know? Um, and if that's a mental break, maybe it is, but it's, it's, it's one that apparently I share with millions of other people. Yeah. So I'm, I'm comfortable <laughs> being that insane with, with millions of and other it, people. It does wonderful things like, you know, gets people out of drug addiction and uh, you know, just bad lifestyles. So it, if it's a mental break, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, Work, work, try to fix it. it seems like it's doing a lot more good than bad in the world um right but yeah it, it's funny when you mentioned you know you can overturn the car it's like i know exactly what you're talking about because i'm i'm a very laid-back person i don't i don't have a temper that, like 
takes me a really long way to get pushed to a breaking point where I even raise my voice. Um, like I don't, I don't, I'm not one of those people that smashes stuff when I'm mad, but my wife pointed out that the only time she ever does see me like that is when something hurts my kid. Like, like for instance, we had like a little tyke slide on the deck when the, when the twins were younger and my youngest son was climbing up there when I wasn't looking and sure enough, he stuff falls up the first step and hits his head on the deck. And like, I just got so mad. I took that slide and whipped it off the side of the deck. And I was just so mad about it. But it's like, it gets you so angry when something that hurts your child. But it's like, I knew that wasn't supposed to be there. Like I told him, you know, I, I thought my wife was watching him. She thought I was watching him. Um, but you're just like, yeah, you'll, you'll do anything to keep them from being in pain. It, it's, it's hilarious that, you know, how, uh, how accurate that is. Well, I think I think that's also why we're so easily manipulated with this COVID stuff. To go back to what we're saying, I was saying about our the modern uh, the modern era's difficulty with death. Like we're not prepared for death. I don't think a lot of people are prepared for childhood either. Like for being for being parents, I think a lot of bad bad parents out there aren't trying to be bad parents. They're trying to be good parents. They just don't know how. Um, there's no there, you know it, even as even as a man, you know, I, again, I had my child, my daughter late, and we're looking to maybe have at least one or two more. Um, God blessing. But, but, uh, but there's, there was no, you know, I, I, I went through a lot, you know, my, 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 my birth father uh, wasn't involved in my life. My grandfather was, uh, but he died at 12 and I didn't have any other, any other mentor. There was no other um, system in place to mentor young men on how to be good fathers or even to even think in a fatherly way. So you have a lot of young, I think, so you, you get a lot of people who have kids um, either intentionally or by accident. And then they're, then they're like <laughs> basically to be told, okay, now be a parent. And no one knows what that, what that is. Like what is, yeah. what is being a, what does being a father mean to you? If you can even put that into words, but I know putting maybe putting it on the spot on that one, but yeah, no, it's it's a great question, and and you know it's it means a lot of things. I mean, being you're you're a mentor to the child, so you have to lead by example. You wanna you you wanna be what the you want your child to be. You want your child to be better than you. So it's you know you're trying to to lead by example, and it is very hard because you're you're forging the path yourself. You know, and and fortunately, like I, I did have a very close father figure who's still in my life that we're, we're very close with. So have a lot of guidance from him. And I, I do see myself, I mean, a lot more like him, the older I get to, and it, it is just kind of interesting with, I'm watching, you know, my kids do the things, you know, or watching me work on projects and stuff. And it's like, I can flash back and be like, Oh, I remember my dad building stuff in the garage. Now they're seeing me do that. And okay, well, I want to keep doing this because I, I love those memories. And, and that's what got me into doing this. So I think being a leader and, and um, you know, kids, they're, they're sponges and, and they'll, they imitate everything. So they, they'll mimic anything you do. So it's very important to, to try to, you know, that's, that's why it's just decent things. Like just don't cuss in front of your kids and, and don't, uh, you know, don't lose your temper, um, you know, for no good reason all the time. Cause that's, that's going to lead to your kids being angry. They, they imitate everything. So yeah, I mean, being a father, it's kind of, it's kind of roundabout answer, but I, I think mostly it, it's it's to be a mentor and a protector um, for someone that you want to do better than yourself. 
Yeah, I mean, that's so one of the things that um, Mark and I have talked a lot about in the show, and I'm looking to formalize more uh, as soon as I actually have more time. Like, this is <laughs> so my daughter uh, has been in and out of daycare because she was sick for a little bit. We, we went through the first, um, uh, and any parent knows this, like, I, she hadn't been in daycare. We, we had her basically hermetically sealed in Montreal for, for the for the first year of her life almost. Uh, wow. And then she went to daycare, which she's loving, but she finally got the first daycare cold and we got her back. So she was suffering through that cold and then she got us sick and me sick and I hadn't been sick in two years. So it just, <laughs> it's just, ah, <laughs> it just was brutal. Oh. It was brutal. And then we, she got over that and then, and then her daycare just had a, I call it hoof and mouth, but it's like hand, mouth, and foot. Yeah, yep, yeah. We yeah. just had that yeah. go around. Yeah, right. So then, yep. then you you get that, and you're like, yeah. so I've been a stay at home dad, uh, for better or for worse for the last the last like month. Uh, so I'm I'm hopefully uh, things are sort of clear up a little bit now. Like there's 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 I'm hoping to get actually some like some time to work on other things other than just than than being behind the eight ball. Uh, all the time, but um, so one of the things that got that kind of guided me, I think, into a path where I could be, where I could become uh, influenced by religion or certainly uh, have a spiritual awakening was um, was this concept of grace that I that Mark and I have talked quite a bit on the show. I, I look at it as, as sort of a bridging for secularists, uh, you know, people who may not have had a, an experience, but yet. I think we need to be able to reach out to people more and go, look, I'm not saying you got to be a devout anything. I'm saying that there are, there is strength in this, in this space that you can access. And one of the big things was for me was the idea of, of God's grace, something that God gives to people. It's a gift from God, but something that we can act out ritualistically in our own lives. And I would say the tenets of that, of that grace are, are uh, uh, forgiveness, mercy, and faith. And by forgiveness is just simply to go back. And so I started using this method to go back in my own life, realizing that I had a lot of anger and I need to get rid of that anger. I need to, to resolve some conflicts that I've been going on in my head for 40 years. And it's stupid. Um, and I'm passing that on to my daughter. Like you said, like, you know, sometimes you, if you're in reaction to things, your children are going to be in reaction to those things. And you need to be able to at least, understand why where that is coming from because the last thing i want to do is pass on to my daughter some some anger over a, a situation that happened to me 35 years ago that has no relationship to her life and in, in actuality has no relationship to my life anymore either it's just something i'm holding on to because i feel like it's because i i haven't examined it you know um so for the forgiveness methodology is to go back and start to forgive those who wronged you uh, and forgive yourself, and and in doing so, you begin to you be, you you begin to be able to forgive other people, and and mercy and faith, I think, go along with those are those are uh, uh, sort of conjoined ideas, but it's something that I think is really missing in the world today, and what we're going to need more and more because as people start to wake up out of this COVID thing, and whatever this whatever that looks like. Uh, the, the, the one thing that is tempting is to hold it against them, you know, to say that if, 
if one day we find out that all this is bullshit and 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 these pharmaceutical companies have been have been harming kids, which is a damn hard thing to forgive uh, or have or find mercy in your soul for, but we got to find it. We have to be able to extend forgiveness to other people in our communities, because if not, you know, what are we bringing our kids up into? Like, what what is the future that we, we that our that our kids kids can live in if if we do if we don't start to um, to uh, to try to create a better future, like to try to create a a, a mechanism that will forgive people in twenty or thirty years. Um, it's um, and forgive ourselves, you know, and and realize that that we're 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 going through a mo- we're going through a moment right now, and those possessed by Antichrist, those possessed by that 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 spirit of, of destruction. I, I think the only way we can, we, the only way we can, we can uh, address that or cure that is by, is by being agents of grace on some level, being agents of forgiveness, mercy, and faith. Yeah, no, I mean, forgiveness is incredibly powerful. I think that's, you're, you're dead on with that. That's so true. And um, without that, I mean, you get that multi-generational hatred and feuding like Hatfield and McCoy type stuff. If you, if you, if you do pass it on rather than trying to just forgive, um, I, I, you know, it's kind of relevant. I was just watching that documentary about the Unabomber on Netflix. Um, and, and one of the victims um, was talking about when he was in the court case and he was able to look Ted Kaczynski in the eye. Um, he was a survivor from one of his bombings. And he said, he said, like, I just want you to know, like, I'm, I'm not, I don't hate you. I, I forgave you a long time ago. And he said, Ted was sitting there writing something on a notepad and he just like looked up at him and dropped the pencil out of his hand. Like that, he didn't know what to do with that. That just blindsided him. Like forgiveness, like what? Like, I mean, how could you forgive something that evil? But um, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's a very powerful tool. And once again, that, that kind of stuff should be pumped into your kid's age from uh, you know your kid's head from a very young age is is to forgive especially over little things i mean it's it's you can really escalate something very minor into something massive uh if you if you don't if you let it get out of hand so um yeah forgiveness is key and a lot of that goes back to christianity i mean just don't lie don't cheat don't steal don't kill um love your enemies you know it's like it whether you truly believe there's a God or not, like how can anyone refute that those are not positive messages to be put in a child's head? Well, that's, and that's the craziest thing, right? Is that, is that, and this, this is how this secular message really went off the rails. And I, and I think I started to come into this space mentally and emotionally around 2014, you know, cause I was, like I said, uh, new atheist, all the rest of it. Oh, but, you know, I was, I was in that headspace and a lot of my friends were in that headspace. And around 2014, I started seeing things, sorry, um, from college campuses. That was around the time when they, I think there was that, that Harvard's that, that Harvard video with a woman, with a, with a young kid screaming at the Harvard uh, uh, alumni or the, the, one of the chief of staff there who was, you know, like you're supposed to make this our home, like this, you know, like, and this is all over like uh, Halloween costumes. Right. And you're, right. you started seeing those things. You're like, hang on a second. What, what's going on here. Right. Um, and even in Quebec where I was from, they were passing a law basically trying to uh, 
make re- wearing religious symbols like hijabs and crosses and all the rest of the stuff illegal. Uh, wow. That is, yeah, well, and it, it was more directed towards a Muslim community because in you know because I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of Montreal, but there's a big it's a big hill in the middle of the city, and on top of that hill or the middle uh, mini mountain is a big giant cross <laughs> and no one was talking about taking the cross off. It was just more like directed mostly towards Muslims and all the rest of it. Hmm. And I mean, when that was happening, I was like, well, look, like I'm all for people becoming secularist on their own time, but I don't think the government should mandate that. I don't think that's part of the government's purview. And I started getting flack from, from my kin, you know, like the, my tribe at that time. And that's what started going through my head is like, okay, something's wrong with liberalism. If liberalism is getting to the point where it's comfortable having the state mandate its, its, uh, its philosophies under pain of expulsion from your job or, or, from soci- or from polite society, that's not the liberalism that I signed on for. That's not the liberalism I understood from the 80s and 90s. Uh, and that's certainly not what I ever, whatever I, I, I intended. I, I was always part of the idea, like if you present your arguments uh, well enough, that people will just come over to your side anyways, because it's, it's the most logical position to be in. Uh, and it, and to see, and 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 you know, and that I think goes right back to the COVID thing, where, where, <laughs> they're they've stopped trying to be uh, coercive with the argument. And is now being coercive just legally. Like you will lose your job, you will you will go to jail, you will have all these bad things happen to you if you don't do exactly what we're telling you to do. Which to me is is should be the automatic should be the automatic sign that something's not right. They're they're they know something that they're not telling you, or they're morally bankrupt. Yeah, oh for sure. It's it's bizarre watching that, especially with the you know the forcing you know uh those religious rules that that's insane um and that's even like when i was trying to talk to my school board about the mask mandate and we were we ratioed the other side so bad it was like 12 of us for every pro masker parent um i mean we we, we had popular votes 75 percent of the parents in the community were for mask choice nobody wanted to be forced um and that's where i was talking i said you know the, the difference i was talking to the superintendent and the school board I was like, the difference is I'm not telling these parents what to do with their kids. They're free to put one mask, two masks. I'll pay for a hazmat suit, a bubble if they like, if they can just leave my kid the hell alone. Like, I'm not trying to make their kid do anything. So how can you see on its face that they're in the wrong because they are using force on other people, on strangers they don't know? Like, this, like, I've done, I'm not a dumb person. I've done my research on this stuff. I would never put my kids in danger. It's very insulting to insinuate that I am so naive and not paying attention to what's going on that I am like just throwing my kid out in some dangerous poisonous air that's going to threaten their life. Like, and this little filament of paper is going to stop them from life and death. Like it's so condescending that I, I don't understand how anyone can hold that position. And it's, it's so divisive everywhere. Yeah. But again, I think this comes from the degradation of, 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 of communities mm-hmm. where the people who are the most against the mass mandates, like I moved continents and countries 
essentially because of mass mandates because i because that, that, that was that was the thing that really broke me right where i looked at my child and i was like all right she's getting old enough she's gonna have to start doing daycare uh she'll have to do daycare in in in, in montreal if we stay in montreal even if we moved you know my family is very very small and and mostly are are gone now um so i didn't have a, a large family uh support network to even turn to uh so I knew that my child was going to have to go to daycare. I knew they were using doing mass mandates uh, in in Montreal daycares, uh, at least for the at least for the caregivers. I mean, not even for the children necessarily, but for the caregivers. And I was reading reports out of Germany that, that back in back in 2020, even they were saying that you know uh, mass mandates for caregivers were screwing up kids because especially young children in, in development uh, studies, because they, they, they learn so much from, from watching people uh, talk. They, uh, and a massive yep. amount of emotion is being cut off. So their, their language skills are getting retarded. Their emotional skills are getting retarded. Their socialization skills are getting retarded. And you're in a situation which is, high, which, which is just a pressure cooker of tension where everyone's scared. They, they go, they go from, uh, from daycare into a world that's scared uh, and you're expecting their children, children to turn out. Okay. Like that to me, no matter where you, no matter where you fall on the COVID spectrum, the fact that it's screwing up kids developmental cycles should be, should all be, should be all the, all the proof you need. Like that should be it. Like, and that's why, you know, that's why I turned to my wife. I was like, can we, you know, we'll talk to your family and see if we can get, do this Australia move. Um, because I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not letting yeah. my kid, I'm not letting my kid uh, get screwed up for, for, for anything. Like, I, I, you know, I, I look at it like, what if in 10 years, if we had stayed, one of the reasons, one of the reasons I would have, I would have stayed is that I'm an only child. My mom's getting older. I was dead set in staying because I'm like, well, if something happens to my mom, I want to be around, uh, you know, moving here, I realized that you know, I might be, I might get stuck here or, you know, moving or going back to take care of my mom or, uh, you know, anything to do with my mom might be, uh, might be a big giant process. Um, so I, so there's a lot of sacrifices involved in that, but it was a very easy sacrifice. Cause I was like, well, look, if I'm sticking around until my mom dies and I'm sacrificing my child's developmental cycle, for five years or 10 years or whatever it is. Interesting. So then I'm going to, you know, then I'm going to look back on, on this and after my mom passes and, and go, well, you know, you know, my kids screwed up. <laughs> my mom's still dead. Like, and we're going to move and we're, we're going to do this Australian move anyways. Like what, what was, what was holding me there was, was purely selfish uh, uh, programming that I, that I had that as soon as I questioned it, I was like, okay, well then there, there's no question here. Uh, yeah, that's, you know. that's that's very interesting. That's a that's a hard position to be in, and you know, I, I'm sure that wasn't easy. Um, but no, I mean, good on you for for doing that and and being proactive and and making big changes to protect your child. And and that's I think that's that's the answer. And we need a lot more people doing that. Um, and it is it is hard with your your mother's situation because that's I mean that's kind of just like poetic about how COVID is as a whole. Is like because the elderly are are vulnerable we're punishing the youth and robbing their childhoods it's like we can just protect the elderly like why let's just we know we'll keep our distance from them 
we'll take precautions around them. We'll keep them indoors. We'll deliver their groceries. Like, you know, we, we have enough data now. We know, we know who's in danger. We know who's not. And, and we, we, we got to stop pretending that that eight-year-olds are going onto ventilators. Like I just, I, I can't, I wonder just how long they can keep this going. And, you know, it, it's hard because even we have family members that are on the opposite side that are, they think that we're just recklessly living and we're just gonna, they're, they only, because they care about my kids. That's what they're telling us. We care about our kids, you know, your kids, we don't think happened to them. And once again, it's so condescending that you're saying I don't, and I'm not protecting them. And it's just because, you know, a lot of these people are older in their fifties and sixties and they grew up in an era pre-internet where they, the news was gospel. And it was like, so whatever they're saying, they, they weren't paying attention when it's it, the mainstream media switched to, you know, just complete activism propaganda. Um, so they still think whatever you hear on the TV is the truth. And they're hearing about all these 30 year old pregnant women dying of COVID and the streets and all this stuff. And they, these stories that God knows if they're even true or not. And they, they, they'll, they'll call us freaking out saying that we got to, we got to start being more cautious. And it's like, it's, it's so hard to navigate these waters right now. <laughs> I mean, so I, I, uh, well, here, here's a, here's a question for you. Are, are you, are you scared of death? Personally? No, I'm more scared about leaving my, you know, not being there for my family. You know, I mean, when I was single, I mean, I, I kind of had like a revelation too, where I, I just realized I wasn't really afraid of that. And I'd, I'd experienced a lot of firsthand close people die to me throughout my twenties, just really fast period of time. And it, it kind of hardened me. Um, and, and, and I kind of, uh, not, yeah, I'm not personally afraid of it. My biggest fear would be the, the alternate world. The kids would grow up in without me there as, as the mentor. No, for sure. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, in the same space where I think because I went through death, immediate death in my family um, early on mm-hmm. and dealt with that. And, and not just with my grandfather, but other members of my family progressively through as I, as I went through my life that I'm not, uh, I'm not scared of death. I, I, I always thought of death as just part of that process. And now that I have a child, obviously I want to be around, to impart as much as I can onto her because uh, I have a personal uh, philosophy that I'm trying to develop where uh, this idea about legacy, where, you know, when you, even this stuff, we're do, what we're doing with, with podcasting and everything else is that you're, you're putting, it's the, it's the stone in the water. It's the ripples, you know, mm-hmm. and if you're, if your ripples are good, if, if, if what you're putting out there is, is, is true and worthy, it will affect other people. And as you affect other people in your life, those people will affect other people in life and, and so on and so on and so on. Good begets good. You know, the, the good fruits will be, are, are sustaining. Uh, and, and that's how you live forever. That's where, that's exactly how death shall have no dominion, you know, to, to, to take the, to take this, the, the sacred and make it, and, and make it, make it material. That's, that's it. You know, uh, it's what you pass on and what lives on, what lives on th- uh, through other people. I look at my grandfather, my grandfather's influence and other people's influences in my life and how that affects me and how I, and how I present myself in the world. That's, I can trace that all the way back to them. Um, so I forget where I was, where I was going with this, but, uh, but, but yeah, essentially 
that's that's kind of why I don't fear death. Uh, I don't welcome it. I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I'm not championing it. I don't, I don't want to die, but at the same time, I don't fear it. And so, COVID to me is is more like, okay, well, that's a thing. Then that's that's one more thing in the world that can kill you. You know, that's one of the reasons I don't right. go. I don't go deep sea diving is because I, I have a I have an irrational fear of being eaten by sharks. I have, an, I, have a, I have this I have this thing where I'm really scared of being eaten. <laughs> yeah, that, right? that, I don't blame you. That's brutal. Yeah, well, I, I think everyone does, right? But like, I like it's it's <laughs> like it's like I think a lot of people it's in their back brain. For me, it's in their it's in my forebrain where I'm like I uh, I don't I don't like going I didn't like going camping in in Canada. I'm like I don't bears, man. Fuck that. Uh, they eat people. I'm not getting eaten. Like I, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> not doing that. Um, we just went through snake training because there's quite a few snakes around here, and uh, I said to my wife before I went to do the training, like, well, let me get this straight. Like I, I, I go, I'll, I'll do the training, but I, I'm going to guarantee you, I'm never going into where the snakes are. She's like, well, you don't know. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm like, no. I, if I think <laughs> snakes might be there. I'm not going there. That's, that's the deal. I'm going to tell you, like, I don't go where the things are, you know, like I don't, if, there, if don't I know there's predators there. there. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that shit, man. Like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a prey species. Like, I, like, right. Right. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I eat funny. meat, but I, but I realize I, I am meat, you know? So, um, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no. And, and, and to your point about um, these podcasts having a ripple effect, I, I've also looked at it from the angle um, one of the things that keeps me going um, is the uh, just the the documentation of this for my grandkids can listen to me at 30 years old talking in this time. Being, hey, I wonder what grandpa was doing when all this COVID stuff went down, which because whatever the world looks like from then or, you know, in that point in history, I mean, I would I would. I don't know how much money I'd pay to hear my grandfather have an hour long conversation with high quality audio when he was 30. Like I would pay, I mean, I would give up any material possession to do that, you know? So that'd be so cool for them to uh, be able to look back and, and God forbid, you know, something does happen to me and, and, and uh, they can, they don't know me very well. They can get to know who I was and my voice and my personality and my humor all through this digital archived recorded data. I think continuity is so important. It's one thing we really lost. You know, I, 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 uh, years ago, I, I, I was thinking about this, like it, what I, the conservative, the, 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 usually you hear about conservatives and Thomas Sowell and all these people have talked about like the, the, the dissolution of the family, right. Where single parent families. And my mom was a single, was a single mom, even though she had a, a lot of support from her own family. Uh, but still was a single mom, you know, like, and, and, and I lived that reality with her as well. Uh, but I, but here's the thing they always skip over is that world war one and world war two and, and subsequent wars in the past led to a lot of single parent families. <laughs> like this isn't right. the first time this has ever happened that the discontinuation, and especially through men, the discontinuation of the, of the, of the father archetype has been disrupted and screwed with and, and, and left barren. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm 44. How old are you now? I just turned 31. Okay. So you're more firmly in the millennial generation, but I, but I think it's, mm. I think it's, it's affected both of our generations. Like uh, my generation was the first really, really uh, went through uh popularized divorce. Like there wasn't really divorce rates before, before the 1970s really. Um, and most of my generation 
were raised by single moms or, or, or had a, a, a non-traditional family unit kind of, kind of lifestyle. Um, you know, most of my friends growing up, you know, their dad had a separate family or, or were children of divorce. Um, and that, yeah, that, that did screw with the nuclear family of the 1950s. But we have to also realize that the nuclear family 1950s was a very specific kind of almost uh, unique little unique little experiment that went on for 20 years because there was there was because from 1910 onto onto that there was hardly any of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's what one of the greatest strengths we have right now is that we're reinventing the archetype of fatherhood here and now where fatherhood doesn't look like anything it's ever looked like before, even though it still has to hearken into that same um, resonant archetype. Uh, I, 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 I keep thinking about why religion is, is coming back into the fore, why someone like myself even got back into religion. Um, and it's because it's, it's the only source where you can see the unbroken line of fatherhood. You can, you can, you can pick any story you want. You can go to Abraham and go, how do I be a good father? Well, there's the story of Abraham and understanding what, what, what the, the Abrahamic uh, uh, story of sacrifice with, with his son Isaac, what that really represents and how you can use that in, in terms of fatherhood uh, in the here and now is powerful. Like that gives you guidance in ways that I think a lot of men don't have because there's, there, is, there is no connection to their own fathers who may not be, who may not even be present. It's not something that you can go back to your dad and go, Hey man, what, what, what the hell happened? A lot of us didn't have him. Like we always just didn't have a father to to fall back on. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I was, I was very fortunate. I mean, I grew up in a super tight family. Um, My dad was one of five boys. Um, All my uncles and aunts stayed married my entire childhood. No one was divorced in my family. Uh, we were super tight with my grandparents, went to their house every Sunday for the Bears games. Um, they were four miles away. So I, I grew up in this super tight family. Um, you know, it's no longer that way. There was some falling outs later years after after the grandparents passed away. So it's, you live and learn. But as far as my childhood and, and developmental years, um, it seemed like we had this. I thought everyone had this, this, this network of cousins and, and aunts and uncles. And I, I feel very spoiled that I probably... I have five or six guys that were very solid father figures, including my father. I mean, I had uncles that were great role models and my dad's friends that were super close. And it was like, if anything ever happened to my father when I was a kid, I would have had all these guys there to lean on. I mean, I I was, I had that built in and I see that so valuable that that's where that's what I want for my kids too now. So I I surround myself with good people and and like-minded people and knowing that if anything ever happens to me, my wife will be taken care of, my kids will be taken care of, and they're, they're going to stay on, on the path that I wish for them, you know, as far, as far as the parents have control of. Yeah. I mean, to, to go back to my choice of moving to Australia, what really, so there was a mass thing that was sort of the, the straw that broke the camel's back in a, in a materialistic way, a reaction to COVID. But the, the other thing that really did it for me, my, my wife is one of six kids. Um, and, uh, and there's an and there's extended family here as well. And like I said, my family is you know I have my mom and my aunt, and that's basically it. I have some extended family who I I'm friendly with, but they weren't 
really, I didn't know them growing up. So, and I don't have any cousins, I don't have any direct cousins or brothers or sisters or any of that. So uh, one of the biggest impetus, one of the biggest, the biggest impetus, impetus, uh, one of the re- biggest reasons, fuck that, I'm bailing on that word. <laughs> one, one of the biggest reasons uh, other than the mass stuff was to bring my child here so she could grow up in, her, in and around that network. Because I'm realizing more and more and more that that we grew up in this idea that, um, and extending that network to what I can do online for as well, like uh, reaching out to guys like you and, and, to, uh, and to others and, and creating you know, a sub-network of people so that, and exactly what you said, if something happens to me, uh, she has this ins- a, 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 an amazing amount of family to draw on. And even family who disagrees with me on everything, <laughs> who sees like my turn towards, uh, uh, you know, or, uh, Ukrainian orthodoxy on my, my family's Ukrainian. So to go back to Ukrainian orthodoxy is, is weird and wonderful. And, and, and my, my, my wife still doesn't really understand that, but, and, and, and neither do I on some levels, but, but if anything happens to me, my daughter has this entire family and, I know that I, I know that she's supported and I know that she's going to be okay so that I can start making moves and making uh, and taking chances in ways that I couldn't have if I remained in Montreal where I would have been like, well, I got to make sure I don't run into problems here because, or I don't, you know, and maybe that, and maybe that's the whole point, right? Whereas where people feel that they can't stand up and, and be the, um, and be more of a role model to their children because being that role model might get them, might get them removed and there is no other support system. It's them or nothing, you know, it's them or being a ward of the state. Uh, And I'm very sympathetic to that. You know, I, I, I get it, you know, and, and to people who don't have that resource to pull, to pull on um, that's kind of what I want to set up through talks like this is creating a secondary safety net for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I'm, and I'm still in the, in the, in the, uh, in the envisionment the stage of it. Yeah. And it's just trying to see where this goes, but I think that's what this can be, you know, uh, uh, where we all start creating support systems, you know, support system for people who have no other support system. Uh, and even if it's just more like, Hey, if you need someone to talk to man, like we're, we're here. <laughs> we're, we, yeah. We, we get it. Yeah. No, I mean, in, in podcasting in general has been like that for, for me personally, just because it's been a lot of liberty minded people and it just shows you that you're not alone and how many people, you know, have bigger platforms than me that are out here doing this more th- often than I am. And it's, there's a lot of people. I mean, we went to freedom fest and there was 2,500 people there and, and no one's wearing masks. It felt like it was 2019 and it was just a blast. It was a good old fashioned time. And you realize that there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people like, like us um, all over the place. And I think we're the majority. I think, I think most people are just kind of keep their nose to the grindstone, just trying to hope it goes away. They just like, come on, five more years. I want to buy the lake house. We're going to do this. Everyone's their life plans. You know, they, they just want to go about their life and no one's uncomfortable enough yet to, to start pushing back. I mean, they still have internet, they still have heat and air, they still have stock grocery stores. Um, they still got a job. So people are like, Hey, whatever, you know, I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll wear the mask, whatever. I just, I, it'll go away. But I, I think until things get uncomfortable, then, you know, there's going to be 
that's when things can go south really fast. And I, I hope it doesn't come to that. You know, I, we want, we want peace. That's <laughs> it's all there is to it, you know, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very scary time to raise kids, but I go back and forth with that a lot. Cause I, I got a buddy who has one kid and he wants another one, but he's like, I'm just so scared with everything going on in the world. I already got one to worry about. And, you know, I was just kind of like, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't let anything deprive you of the greatest thing in life. Like, as far as I'm concerned, like having kids was, it's given me more purpose and, and meaning and anything than anything I've ever experienced in my life. It, it was the most transformational thing where it's like, no, like no matter what I ever amount to, no matter career wise, how much money's in the bank, how much land I own, how many cars I own, <clears throat> this is like makes me feel like the, the most fulfilled and successful person ever just having this <coughs> excuse me um little bean to be a role model for yeah i think i think the what people just don't understand is is the uh it, it's uh <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying yes, 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 yes. You know, if, if people, people listening to this on, on audio, it's like all I'm doing is, is, is nodding my head because it's true. And, and again, to, to the Tim Pools and Eric Julys and, and all the rest of it, and I know that this, this Liberty space is filled with a lot of guys. You know, almost, I don't know if, what the exact numbers are. Um, you know, I reached out to you because I, I remember uh, I, I've been a fan of your podcast ever since you talked to Matt Erickson. Erickson? 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 I can't fucking talk today. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just bailing on words all over the place. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, I listened to a lot of your, you know, you and your brother uh, talk about, uh, do a lot of these, uh, a lot of these podcasts. And it's, it's in that same vein. Like what I'm, what I'm looking to do is, is put that reach out to people to libertarians without libraries, essentially. Cause I think a lot of times what, gets defined as libertarian is people who just have read all the things. And if you read all the right. books and you, therefore you're libertarian. Um, I, I think even libertarianism, which I never really uh, was part of the movement or philosophy uh, or anarchism uh, because I always, I always saw them, saw them as a, as a, a midway between. I always saw, I always thought that the, the end point of libertarianism and, and anarchism was always communism. And I'm, I'm, I'm dead set against communism. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think making inroads in that community and telling people like, look, you're not alone. You're, you, you are part of something. You don't have to have read Mises and Rothbard and all these other things to be part of this general community which isn't defined by one singular ideology, but by a, the, an ideology uh, or a, uh, let's say a methodology of community. Um, and that's one thing that we can offer that no one else can. Uh, and no one, I mean, no one else is. There's no one on the left with all, the, with, with all their decentralized identity politics that's offering true community uh, that, that, that serves a greater purpose other than, other than, identifying the individuals as, and, 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 and telling you that, yes, you're, you're worthy as a victim, but that's it. Like what I'm interested in doing is, is providing, uh, is, is creating a, a system that says, yes, you might be a victim, 
fair enough. But here are ways you can stop being a victim. And having right. kids is definitely one of those things. Like you stop yep. being a victim the day you have a child and you decide that I'm going to be a father. I'm going to be a parent to this child. I'm going to mentor. I'm going to, I'm going to be a, I'm going to set some sort of, some sort of standards. It's not about me anymore. It's, and it never was, but it really now isn't really about me. Like I got to be and be and do better. Uh, just even just to impress the crap out of this kid who's easily to, who's easily impressed at the moment, <laughs> thankfully. Yep. But it ain't going to be always so, you know, so. For sure. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's, it, once you become a, a parent, it, it is a complete uh, different way you feel about everything. Like you said, the victimhood, uh, as far as, you know, teaching your kids, like if they see you playing the victim all the time, well, what are, what are they going to learn? You know, that they're, and that's why I, I have such a problem with, um, in, in a lot of like uh, black parents do too, with all like the uh, race stuff going on in the school is telling, telling a young black kid that he's at a disadvantage of the whole systems against him. Like what all you're, all you're doing is giving you know, what, what kind of message is that just to, just to discourage somebody or make them angry or victimize, like what's wrong with just telling them, you know, put your mind to it. You can accomplish anything. You can, you're capable of anything. You are, you know, look at all these other successful people in this country that have, of color that have done crazy things, musicians, rock star, you know, or uh, sports stars, you name it, business owners. Like this is the land of opportunity. Why, why aren't we teaching that? Like, why, why are we uh, creating victimhood? I don't, it, nothing good can come of that other than, you know, they want to divide and conquer. That's it. That's it. They want everyone fighting over race and uh, class and religion and gender and it's working because well, um, I mean, you guys talked to popular liberty and they, and it, you know, I, I really want to, the, the main message from him that, that I, that I totally agree with is that the state right now is, is seems to be concentrated on creating cost, sorry, creating co uh, chaos so that it can step in and, and provide order. And that yeah. seems to be its only product right now is, is, is chaos and order. Right. And that's with the, with the children, you know, that's when they're sitting in public school and whatnot, that was my biggest fear is like, they, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. They don't know who to trust. They don't know um, what's, what's the, who's right or who's wrong. Like some kids really look up to their teacher and your teacher would never lie to you. They, they're teachers, they know everything, but they're saying this, the opposite thing my parents are saying. So who's in the right, who's in the wrong. And, you know, they start going through that like middle school, teenage rebellious anti-parent stage. Like, it's kind of like they're the whole system is like shaking the snow globe. So the kids don't know up from down. They don't, there's no such thing as gender and this and that. And and it's just, the kids don't know what to believe about anything. It's like, they're trying to just like shake up the whole thing so they can just feed them a new normal and a new path and just disregard all tradition, disregard the lifestyle I talked about with my grandparents and cousins and that close network. They want all that just, destroyed to shambles they don't want that at all they want this like collectivist we follow the state you know we you know everything is uh for the for the common good and whatnot so it, it makes it so uh so concerning that i don't know what this generation is going to grow up to be yeah i mean and, and that's i think I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll look to wrap this up soon 
Um, mostly because I, I, I really need to go to the washroom, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, that's usually my, my, it's usually where I, 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 I talk until I, I need to pee, <laughs> but, uh, no, but that, you know, and that may that's, and that's really what, um, is on my mind the most, uh, is that even if I make every correct air quotes, correct step with my daughter and my children, and I bring them up, uh, with as much of a responsible uh, uh, archetype, or 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 uh, even if my ripples are 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 very are, are are good, if 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 my fruits are good, and I can demonstrate my goodness to my children, so they 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 uh, they take more from me than less. They still have to operate in this world, so no matter how. Um, aligned towards the ideal I can get them, they still have to navigate through waters that I don't understand. Yep. And I'm starting to, to get to that point of realization. Mark and I talked about this this morning. And it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a disquieting uh, realization. I think it's, it's almost like being, being given a terminal uh, prognosis is that the world that's being created is may not be for us, you know. It, it it may not be the world that uh, that I can live in, uh, and and the sacrifices that are going to be required to live in a world in in whatever world we can, um, you know. Uh, what's I think the old saying is you know to uh, to live in this world but not be of it, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of becoming more and more incumbent upon us as agents of God or, or, or at least agents against antichrist to, 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 um, to recognize and deal with antichrist and, and the spirit of possession that's going on. You know, like I, I don't know what to arm my kids with because we've, we can reach back into history. We, we can reach back into faith and, and all these things, but 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 here we are, <laughs> like we're living it now, and the th- and all your theory has gone out the window, and now you're into into the practical, and it's very very difficult to to I think um, create a, a a praxis that is gonna is gonna work in 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 five years, let alone twenty. Right, and and you know it's it's hard. I can't imagine what my kids are gonna go through because it's hard enough not being called a radical right now, just by being a constitutionalist libertarian, just saying, you know, individual freedom. That's like makes you a radical right now. So when my kids are in their thirties and if they have the same beliefs as me by then, like, I mean, people are, I think they're crazy. I mean, if the way the things keep going, the trajectory they're going, I mean, who knows, maybe things could correct. And, you know, think, you know, it's, we don't know what's going to happen because it's always, uh, <laughs> everything eventually ends and gets better. You know, it gets super terrible, like the Holocaust or anything eventually comes to an end. You know, it's like, so I think there's at some point going to be a breakthrough and I don't know how bad it's going to get before then. I don't know how long it's going to take, but um, <laughs> I listened to a Jim Croce song today and he said, nobody ever got a rainbow until he got the rain. So I was like, <laughs> it's, it's a very accurate line. It's like, you, you got to go through the storm, you know, to, to get to the, to the other side. And I don't, I don't know what it holds, but I, I, I'm here to protect my kids. I'm going to teach them. I mean, I'm teaching myself how to 
be more self-sufficient, how to rely on ourselves a little more. We're, we're out on five acres now. Didn't have time to get a garden in this year just because uh, the kids are so little. But next year, I'm going to try to teach myself and hopefully by the time they're older, they'll be gardening and working with animals and and just being as self-sufficient as possible. Um, because no matter what, those are just great skills to have. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's, uh, that is the bridge, you know, that's the bridge we're trying to build where it's, 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 it's the, I don't know what's going to, what the world's going to look like in 20 or 30 years, but I do know what's worked so far. So I can at least give you that. I can at least give you as much of what has already worked so far. You know, Cyprian talks about building the ark. I think that's part of building the ark is that I can load you up with everything that I know or that I can learn in the next, in the next little bit um, to give them the best, hopefully the best way forward. And if any of that survives, like if, you know, if, uh, if any of us survive through, through into the, into, into, into whatever this new world order is going to be, the only hope I think we have is that, uh, is that elements of, of truth and devotion and, and, and love and grace and whatever, wherever else have you will survive. will 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 be out there. And maybe in a hundred years, it comes back around. I don't know. Right. Uh, it's not, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow to realize that mm. it's, it, it's probably not going to be in your lifetime. It's not going to be in your lifetime. And, and, and you might get sacrificed. You might have to make some really hard, hard sacrifices. Um, yeah. But there's yeah, still hope. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think it's it goes back to that chess game. I'm just keep making turn-by-turn decisions. Like, you know, I, I have one friend who always calls me. He, he's always super paranoid about everything. And he'll hear one new thing Biden said, and he'll call me. And, well, what should we do? What do we do about this? And I'm just like, dude, I don't have a plan. Like, I, I take things turn-by-turn. Turn. Like, I just, you know, I see it. I analyze my options. I pick the one that makes the most sense. And that's the way I'm going to keep going forward. I don't know. I'll, Move to a different state, move to a different country. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to keep taking it turn by turn as the years go on. I, I, I don't know. But in the meantime, I, I, worrying. And I, I, I always told him, I was like, hey, let's just pretend you're going to a gulag, all right? And say it'll be there in three years. You can't stop it. You're going to be in a gulag in three years. So you might as well just enjoy every day right now because you you're, you're free right now. So don't even think about it. If you can't stop the gulag, just then you're, you're terminally ill. So just enjoy. Go live your life for three years or whatever, you know? So kind of calms down and laughs and I'm, I'm being facetious, but uh, no, hey. it, it, it is, it's kind of accurate too, where it's like, I, I don't have any control over this. I can't fight this thing head on. Um, people talk about taking up arms and all that. It's like, I'm all for, you know, there's the second amendment and all that, but in reality, I'm, I'm never going to ever be in a position where I want to have to point a gun at somebody ever. Like the minute you pull that trigger, you're, you're, you're never going to see your kids again. You're either going to be shot or locked in prison. So God forbid anyone ever has to come to that decision. So I, I really hope that it's never a real possibility. But I know people are just, I got friends that are buying guns and stocking up because they're, which I, I understand and they're a great investment. And I'm all for it. But it's like, I hope you never got to use those for why you're buying them other than they're going to appreciate in value. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, the, what gets us out of us, you know, as history shown, what gets us out of this, what continues the faith, what, what, um, where I, where I draw a lot of hope from is knowing that, you know, uh, my family's Ukrainian, uh, my mom's family's Ukrainian and, and in the history of the Ukraine, they were annexed by Catherine the great 
200, almost 300 years ago, they, they couldn't speak their language, couldn't practice their, their, their version of the Orthodox church. All those things were taken from them. Um, and, you know, and the Soviets made it even worse. They went through a, they went through a, a, a genocide of starvation, all the rest of it, and came out the other side. And as soon as the Soviet Union fell, they brought their texts from, from underground and, and started practicing again. Uh, like nothing it, it's, it's just like there's this time of history of suffering of absolute suffering and pain and 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 darkness of antichrist of end times of there's no other way there you can you can use whatever whatever words you want to describe it but that's it you know that's what that's what that was for them and they came out the other side and 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 you know are practicing the faith and going through another through another struggle that's just life uh we've been I think we've been lucky, so lucky in the West that we don't even know what that is anymore. So any right. any amount of it is seems insurmountable. But all we have to do is look around. We just look around the world. We don't have to go scripture. We can just look to historical example in our own lifetime of cultures who've who've been through hell, come out the other side, and survived. And that's that's what we need to do. You know, we need to to not not uh not take the black pill you know uh uh you know, realize we're all in this together and uh and and have faith at the, at the end of the day you know for, have give forgiveness uh grant mercy and have faith uh in yeah. in this humanity all yeah, right dude, brother i yeah it's right yeah go ahead yeah. No, please. Well, saying, no, to, 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 close, to close on that, yeah, like the the black pill thing. Um, Dave Smith said that, that great, and it was actually I had had the same thought uh, a while back, but that like being black pilled or pessimistic for those who don't speak this language, um, it, it's not an option when you have kids. Like I can't just go, well, the world's going to hell, nothing we can do. It's like no, like we got to look for every glimpse of optimism there is and try to find those paths because. Uh, we have an obligation to our kids. So yeah, I think that's a great place to close. Yes, sir. Uh, tell the people where, where, where they can find you, sir. Yeah, we're on all the major podcatchers. Uh, it's Pulse to the Wall, um, Pulse to the Wall podcast. And uh, we're at Pulse to the Walls with a Z on Twitter. Excellent. And, you know, two-bit podcast right now, we're basically just active on YouTube. I've been really lazy <laughs> and had no time, but we'll, we'll be on podcatchers and all the rest of it very soon depending when you're listening to this. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Oh, thank Appreciate you. Coming this, up. Is this, is, this is awesome. Yeah. This, really? this one as this one as perfectly well as I, as I hope. So uh, uh, I'm hoping this is one of, one of many between us and, and, and other, and other like-minded people, fathers specifically in this, in this, in this, uh, in this space. Cause I think conversations between fathers need to start happening. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks again. Thank you, brother. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.